Welcome to the Family Bible Journey. Whether you're a first-time listener, one of our regulars, or one of those who has committed to journaling with us through the Bible, thank you so much for listening and making us a part of your day. This is episode 13, season 1 of the Family Bible Journey New Testament podcast. Today we're looking at Matthew chapter 8. The title of today's podcast is Healing in Peace. Our key verse from today is from chapter 8, verse 8, where the centurion says to Jesus, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. That's our reading for today. So now that the Sermon on the Mount has been concluded, Jesus returns to Capernaum, which would have been just a very short couple of miles walk for Jesus at the most as he goes back home in the evening time. And there we see that along the way he cleanses a leper and he heals the centurion's servant. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. He heals everyone that came to the house to see him that evening. And before the end of the chapter, we see that he calms the storm and exercises two men of demons. The focus of this whole chapter now is the healing ministry of Jesus and how his healing ministries gave people peace. In each of these works, each of these miracles, Jesus is demonstrating that all things, all forces, good and evil, spiritual and demonic, are subject to him. By cleansing the leper, he demonstrates his power over disease. By healing the centurion servant and healing all the people who were brought to the house of Peter's mother-in-law, he demonstrates the very same power, be it the power over cancer or viruses or bacteria or anything that could ail a person. When he calms the storm, he demonstrates his word's power over the very forces of nature. And in exercising the two men who are plagued with demons, he demonstrates that he has power even over the demonic forces. Anything that we could ever encounter in this life is subject to Jesus and his word of power. And as we consider the wonderful ways that Jesus demonstrates his healing power and his ability to give peace to troubled consciences, I really want to focus today on that story of the centurion whose servant was healed by Jesus, because I find a kindred spirit in this centurion. And this is a character from the Bible that has been very near and dear to my heart because his prayer is a prayer that I repeat very often in my own personal devotional life with Jesus. And it's so important that I actually have that verse 8 highlighted in green for those of you who are journaling through the Bible, because I view this passage as one that embodies for us a wonderful attitude of a humble faith. The centurion comes to Jesus and he asks for this favor, not for himself, but for someone who he loved and cherished, someone that he valued. You know, if the centurion just wanted the work of the servant, well, then he could have hired other servants or gotten other servants to do the work. No, this man clearly is very near and dear to the centurion. And as was the case in ancient times, oftentimes the servants or the slaves of the house were treated as members of the family if they were in a good house where their owner, their master, or the person they served took care of them and valued them and respected them as a human being. And I believe that it is those sorts of masters, those sorts of managers who got the most out of their servants. And this man goes to Jesus to see if he would heal this servant whom he loves. And when he does so, he doesn't come to Jesus banking on his position. He doesn't come to Jesus banking on his authority. He doesn't come to Jesus expecting to boss him around. No, he comes to Jesus as a humble supplicant. Someone who is asking something of another that they know they cannot provide for themselves. Somebody who 
has nothing to offer in exchange for this wonderful gift and this wonderful ask. But the centurion comes nonetheless. And I love his prayer. Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. This prayer, or a variation of this prayer, is the very prayer that I personally pray almost every time that I come to communion. When I come up to the rail to receive communion at our church, my most common prayer, and there's a few different ones that are banging around in my head at this time, but the one that I most commonly use is, is again, a variation of this request. Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the word and I shall be healed. I want to acknowledge in that moment that I am receiving the gift of Holy Communion, that I don't deserve to be there, that I don't deserve to have God forgive my sins because I am a sinner and grace, if it were earned, would no longer be grace. Mercy would not be mercy if I somehow merited it. And so I come to the communion rail confessing to the Lord my iniquity, my inadequacy, the fact that I don't deserve to receive him and his gifts. And yet I come because he has invited me. I come because I want to receive his blessing. I come because I want to be fed with that bread of life who has come from heaven to earth to heal my illnesses, to give my troubled conscience peace by the blood of his cross. And so this is where I find a kindred spirit here in the centurion, recognizing that I have nothing to offer God that he hasn't given me himself that I could never do anything to merit the sort of love and the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness that is mine in Christ Jesus, but rather I receive it nonetheless because of his blessing and because of his love and because he is a good and a gracious God and he allows me, not only does he allow me to come, he invites me to come. He encourages me to come because he wants to love me. He wants to bless me. He wants to forgive all of my sins. And this is where my hope and where my peace comes in my own soul. And so I love the centurion. And I find in him my kindred spirit. And you know, the disciples were there when Jesus preached his three chapter long sermon on the mount. They were there when he healed Peter's mother-in-law. They were there when he healed everyone that came to the door. And yet if it was the very next day that they were on the boat and they were crossing the sea and the storm blows up and Jesus is sleeping, they completely lose their minds and cry out to him, save us, Lord, we are perishing. To point out the irony of the situation, that the very disciples who saw Jesus heal all of these diseases and were about to see him cast out demons didn't believe that he was going to take care of them when they were on a boat in a storm on the Sea of Galilee, because in this moment, they are like every single one of us. How easy is it for us to trust God with the things of the next life? And how difficult is it for many of us, many times, to trust him with the things of this life? And yet that is exactly the problem the disciples had in this story. They recognized Jesus as the Son of God. They heard the truth of his words. They saw demonstrations of his mighty power. But when it came to their life, when it came to their fears, when it came to their concerns, they felt as if God wasn't going to answer their prayers. And so Jesus, I think rightly, castigates them. But he doesn't just castigate them. He also speaks to us in this story because we, like the disciples, are really, 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 really good at trusting God sometimes with the big stuff, the stuff of everlasting life. And not so good at trusting him with the little stuff like, you know, a car payment or a diagnosis or that really irritating person at work who just knows how to get under my skin and just loves to live there because that's who they are and that's what they do. And so in this very same chapter where we are seeing the wonderful healing power of God, 
the ability for him to calm storms, the ability to cast out demons, we are challenged ourselves for the times that we don't, like the centurion, come humbly to him asking for his help. For the times that we are more like the disciples who failed to recognize in their moment of need that the answer to every single one of their prayers was right there, even though he was asleep on the boat. And so this chapter where Jesus is now going about the Galilee, where he is bringing healing and peace to everyone that he comes into contact with, we are both encouraged by the centurion's example, and we are also challenged by the example of the disciples. Because that's where we live as God's people, sinners and saints, loved and redeemed by God, yet by nature not trusting him, and oftentimes foolish. But God loved every single person in this chapter. He loved those who came to receive a miracle and received it. He loved those who didn't trust him to provide the miracle that they needed. And he cared for them as only he was able, even though they didn't deserve it. And so we leave this chapter reflecting on the humble spirit of faith that dwelt in the centurion and by God's grace dwells in us, and that stubborn and blind human heart that is often slow to trust and keeps drawing us back to Christ for the forgiveness that we need when we treat him for contempt for not answering our prayers in the way that we wish that he would. Have you decided to journal through the Bible, whether for yourself or a loved one? Please let us know through the contact form at familybiblejourney.com so that we can send you some encouragement and add you to our list of folks who have committed to journaling through the Bible with us. Our blessing for today. May your prayer always be, Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the word and I shall be healed. Amen.